Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is Caitlin. And my name is John. And wow, we got this is another episode. It's happening. It's happening. Uh, we have this is our penultimate finale, technically, of season four. <laughs> right, right. And it's weird being in that place when it's very clearly not supposed to be the penultimate finale. But you know what? I think that these are some of the strongest episodes of the season, so right. I'm having a lot of fun. That's what, yeah, and yeah. It hurts more because you you kind of hope it's yeah. going to keep being that good through the end of the season. Yeah, I but think that's I'm, been the weirdest thing. I'm like, this mystery is so cool. Why are you like this show? Yeah, like, why I, are you doing this? I am glad that they are putting out these episodes post. Um, post Jughead's death because they are actually really good and uh, and like I want this taste in my mouth at the end of the season and not the one from that previous arc. I'm having a good time. Um what do we do now? This is usually when we do reviews and we do have like two more reviews. Okay, awesome. Do you have them pulled up? Should I, I pull do. them up? Yeah, you should. Okay. Okay, so we got a five-star review from Aaron Nicholas called Best TV Show Podcast. I love Caitlin and John. They are spectacularly funny and entertaining. They make life more fun and less lonely. <laughs> These two are so talented. <laughs> Caitlin and John are the kind of people I would want to be my best friends. They are a professional and smart and witty duo who are highly knowledgeable about TV production and have made me respect and appreciate TV more, especially Riverdale. I've listened to every single podcast episode of theirs. I'm truly a big fan. Love you always. Thank you so much. P.S. Happy birthday, John. All that was John. written on my birthday. <laughs> John, did you write this? This is so nice. Did I write this? Oh my god, this is so nice. It's honestly, like, honestly, the people who, like, love this podcast are the nicest people in the entire world. This is incredible. Like, I don't, I don't know what we did to deserve that review. What am I um, doing paying, why, why am I paying for therapy when I can just read this review over and over again? John, it's like therapy either would like help me deal with the bad reviews or <laughs> so so this is so nice. I love this. Oh, the next one is also really nice. I think we deserve I think we deserve a little pick me up everybody. You guys are the best. That's me giving you a pick me up. That's our way, five star review of you our our fans. My friend Lauren listened to the podcast. And she was like, wow, it's really professional. And I'm like, it's really professional? I'm like, don't, don't lie to me, Lauren. Don't say you listen to the podcast. Come on. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> we're very professional. Right. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I think so. Anyway, this one is OK Vixens, April 24th uh, from Heather JKT. I love this podcast and the charisma between Caitlin and John. I was thinking I should credit John with making me feel better about Barchi. But to be honest, Jughead being a jerk to Betty and loosening the ground on Sorry, I don't know why I can't read today. Betty is loosening the ground on that one for me. But I have to offer a firm disagreement with you. He can rock a beanie, but Jug could never stop. It should stop singing because that headwig opener was painful. (laughs) I disagree with that too, but whatever. That said, I feel like if Archie were a real person, he would have entered a street gang version of the Tide Pod Challenge and ended up with B cooing over him in the ICU about 
He's just too committed to standing up against street gangs and no one is as brave as him. And then B walks in with cupcakes and is shook and then invents a cocktail that has both Tide Pod garnishes. And the name of the cocktail is You Can Have the Idiot Homewrecker. I love that. That should be in a spec script. Actually, that might just be what happens next. In any case, keep up the great work. Thank you, sweetie. So, Heather, you're just like a writer for the show and you're just putting your episode on here? What are you doing? Imagine. Imagine if this was one of the episodes that they cut. Right. This was going to be the episode following next time. But you know what? We have to kill our darlings sometimes. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Caitlin, um, speaking of this episode, what is the title of this episode? This episode is called Lynchian, and it is not technically a movie, but as Jughead so happily defines for us. Yeah, thank you, Jughead, for helping Caitlin out. So basically, it is um, a adverb. No, it's a it's an adjective, not an adverb. I went to college, um, <laughs> and it describes. It basically describes. There's anything that is um, macabre yet mundane. That's Jughead's words. Um, but it also it's specifically referencing David Lynch, the filmmaker. Um, and if you guys are not familiar with David Lynch, well, here's a really good time to start getting familiar because we are doing nothing. Um, <laughs> he's made movies like Blue Velvet, Eraserhead, um, Mulholland Drive, uh, Dune. He's probably most famous, and especially in the context of Riverdale, for creating the show Twin Peaks which um, Madge Amick, who plays uh, Betty's mom, Alice, she was one of the stars of that show. So the funny thing is Riverdale actually is extremely similar to Twin Peaks in many ways, or at least is kind of like, I don't want to say watered down, but sort of like the teen dramatized, gossip girlified um, version of Twin Peaks, sort of like Twin Peaks through several filters. But one of the most interesting things that, Obviously, Roberto is a big fan of David Lynch, big fan of um, Twin Peaks. But what's very interesting is that in the opening of Riverdale, the thing that kicks it all off is that there's a body found in the river. And that's basically what happens in Twin Peaks as well. There's a body of Laura Palmer found in the river, and that sets off a series of strange and weird mysteries and, and stuff like that. It's a little bit more supernatural than Riverdale is. I mean, Riverdale kind of toes a line where you're not sure if it's real or not, but by the time you get to a certain point in Twin Peaks, you're like, oh yeah, this is like a, this is a more supernatural show. Even though there's like a lot of kind of just random crime and nonsense, not nonsense, that's not a good way to put it, (laughs) a lot of random town craziness that is not supernatural. So um, anyway, yeah. Twin yeah. Peaks, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but I know that the return is on Showtime or HBO. I don't uh, Showtime. Remember. Listen, listen to the Beth episode. <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> right, right. And I, uh, I checked in with uh, Jacob, our, our David Lynch expert, and he said this episode was, quote, not very Lynchian. <laughs> not, yes. Well, the thing that I think is a little weird is that if you took away that, you know, Lynchian, define it now moment, I wouldn't really get that this was specifically a David Lynch episode. I would consider myself a fan of, of David Lynch, but I wasn't able to pick up on too many references. It felt like very hit over the head, like Jughead mentions Eraserhead, 
Mm-hmm. And so, and, um, oh my God, what is, what is the name of the guy in Eraserhead that he references? Oh character? dude, I don't know. I've never seen Eraserhead. Oh yeah. No, that movie fucked me up. You're never going to want to eat chicken if you eat, if you watch Eraserhead. Oh. I didn't eat chicken when I saw it cause I was in high school, but, um, but you might not want to eat a whole, uh, at least like a full chicken. Disgusting. It's cool. it's a very um, surreal and abstract film. Like it's it's. Uh, I don't even know if you'd call it like a horror movie. I mean, I guess you could, but it's very, um, very weird and very unsettling. And then that's that's probably like the only way I can describe it. It's all black and white, too. It's interesting, but anyway, I I, I enjoy it. It's just a weird movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did not feel like this because I feel like Riverdale as a whole is pretty Lynchian because that's literally like its roots. Yeah. So it was a little confused. It is just why. like it's I mean, this was like a solid episode. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Just for like, sure. But, but yeah, it wasn't trying to do like because every episode of Riverdale is kind of Lynchian. There's not like I don't I don't know what it would really look like if they pumped it up any more than it already is. Yeah, I I don't know. The Lynchian episode just kind of ends up being a pretty much like, oh, it's another episode of Riverdale episode. Yeah, I thought that was very weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jacob could probably speak to those references. Did you reference what what moments he specifically meant? I mean, the the obvious one. I read online that like the the tape store is like kind of a reference because the guy is kind of doing a. Uh, like kind of impersonating a guy from Twin Peaks. Okay, I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I the, the we're thing not is, the experts this, on this. <laughs> yeah, no, this episode really, uh, really reminded me that Riverdale does not know how child pornography laws work at all on so many levels. Um, it's a little weird. This episode is written by Ariana Jackson. <laughs> It's her second episode of Riverdale after Men of Honor, the one where uh, Archie's ultramarine uncle's friend tries to kill him in a bathroom. Uh, This is a better episode. (laughs) She also wrote Uh on Lethal Weapon and Unreal. Uh, Oh my gosh! Yeah. This episode was also written by Brian E. Patterson, who is a longtime Riverdale writer who we last heard from on Tangerine, the one where Cheryl finally gets rid of her brother's corpse. <clears throat> oh yes, such a moment. Imagine <laughs> like the more. articles. Imagine the articles that you could write if this was like a real thing. If you were like a, a reporter in like outside of Riverdale, but like would report on like the weird shit that happened in Riverdale. Right. And People you had to be like seeing a burning canoe going down <laughs> the river. Yes, it was a body. <laughs> Pretty sure there was a human corpse in it. Looked old. Gerald looked Lawson stuffed. did not have any of the permits necessary. <laughs> Mayor Hiram <laughs> Lodge she? said to get out of his office, which was at his home really, for some reason. <laughs> which is at his home. Is there a mayor's office? <laughs> Why didn't they just move into like a mayor's house? That would have been fun. Do Because yeah, I would require new sets, and you don't have to oh, do no. that. You can just not be Fair. specific about what he's doing or what time of day it is or whether it's the weekend or not. 
Wait, who's mayor? Is he the mayor? He is mayor. Or is, is Hermione's not the mayor? Hermione, I'm pretty sure, I am like 90% sure that her breakfast appearance at the start of this episode is the last time we see Marisol Nichols for the rest of the series. Oh my god. Well, okay, can we talk about Marisol Nichols? I know I texted you about this, but I don't know how many other people know. Marisol Nichols is the fucking best. So, she... I was reading this article in Marie Claire, and it was called The Hollywood Vigilante. So, apparently, for years, Marisol Nichols has been taking down child pedophile rings. Um, because she's basically been posing with the police. She's been posing as a child being sex trafficked, um, in order to like stop like sex trafficking. And because she's an actress, she's very good at doing this. And I was just like, this is truly incredible. I mean, the story that she has in Marie Claire is so is so like compelling like i'm like why isn't this a movie now so i was a little sad to hear that she was leaving riverdale but now i'm like you know what girl you're you're doing things that yeah is she leaving to catch more pedophiles because like holy shit that's awesome you know i don't think they actually said that specifically but i can't imagine that not being a well, part of it she can't have them knowing she's coming their way I also think it's weird, though, because she's not, like, a hugely famous actress, but she's definitely recognizable. So I guess, I mean, she must just really dress differently and, you know, make herself very unrecognizable. But I thought it was interesting that, one, she had this article out when she still plans on doing this, and also that she was able to do it when she is a public figure. Like, if you have a cameo... Maybe it's more, like, over text than we think it is. Maybe it's a lot of messaging. Yeah. And I think a lot like, of it she's is like good messaging. at improv and acting. Honestly, it's like it made me want to do this. Like it made me want to like okay, maybe it didn't make me want to do it, but it definitely made me want to write a script about someone who does that. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Caitlin, you're not that brave, but it's really interesting. And honestly, like good for you, girl. Like fighting the good fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This episode <laughs> was directed by Stephen A. Adelson. It's his third episode of Riverdale. He also did Brave New World, which was the season two finale, and Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, the first one with Josie's terrible father. He's also directed some Katie Keene, some episodes of Siren, some episodes of Motherland Fort Salem, and some episodes of Twelve Monkeys. I have to say, I'm now a Katie Keene stan. I fucking love it. It's, it's the best, and we'll get into that later. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what plot do you want to talk about first today? Because, hooray, there's separate plots. I can finally break an know, episode apart again. I'm free. Let's I'm talk alive. about Veronica and Hiram. Veronica and, Hi- Veronica and Hiram featuring Cheryl. Yes. Featuring so. Cheryl being stable, which I found fascinating. Hiram comes to breakfast with a pep in his step. Why? Because he's subjugating us to another rum plot. <laughs> Veronica tells him that she's uh, selling something called Maple Claw to college students, which just sounds like Amazing. the worst. Can you imagine a spiked seltzer that's maple flavored? <laughs> that's like maple flavored and, and rum. You know, I probably wouldn't hate it if it tasted like maple syrup, but mm. I can't imagine a spiked rum beverage that comes in a can, which I imagine this does. This this rum plot is kind of merciless. 
And I never yes, get excited when it rears its head. I will say, I not, do think this is nothing. one of my favorite episodes for Hiram, though. Yes, this was, I actually thought that this was a quite a good turn. Because I wish they'd, done, I wish they'd done something with him. <laughs> I wish he'd done something like this ages ago. Like, this would have been awesome if he was doing this in, like, season two. I, I think that this still makes him a bad person, though, right? Like, oh, this yeah. proves he's a bad person? What? Okay. Oh, wanna... because he murders a man? Yeah. Right, right. But, like, the thing is, he... I could also see people being like, he loves Veronica. But, like, I don't think that's what this is about. Like, it's not about No, when he murders a man, it's, it's personal. It's about his own power. Yeah, fuck him. Anyway, so, let's go on. <laughs> some frat boys... Ask Veronica and Cheryl to, like, come to their party they just supplied alcohol for. And Cheryl just kind of kicks them out. Uh, And then a bunch of hillbilly-looking guys enter, and Cheryl calls them the cast of Swamp Thing. Now, I could walk right by that line, but I have to address it, because that means (laughs) that Cheryl Blossom pays for DC Universe, the the comic book-only streaming service where the series Swamp Thing aired for one season before getting canceled way too soon uh <laughs> it only lasted one season and she's making this like specific right, reference. right a 10 episode series that was technically canceled after its first episode aired on us on an incredibly niche streaming service for comic book content how would cheryl have the point of reference for this unless it means that she watched and probably really liked swamp thing which is a legitimately great show but now i have so many questions about cheryl well, her and Tony did dress up like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. You're right. Okay. This is now canon. So, Cheryl is secretly yeah. a huge DC Comics fan. She's a big fan. Yeah. She knows everything. Yeah. She's she's way into it. They Every week they watch Harley Quinn when a new episode drops on DC Universe. They really... She really hones in on the erratic persona of Harley Quinn. She fucking... It's like... She was trying to get everyone in the school to watch Watchmen when it was on the air. People should just listen to Cheryl. I'm working with this. Yeah, Cheryl's a huge comic book nerd. This is canon. I love it. This is honestly, like, so many people's fantasy. (laughs) It's so so many. (laughs) (laughs) So many people. Oh, no. Honestly, you know what? Own it, Cheryl. Just own it. And And then we can all move on. These guys, they're apparently the Malloy family. And they sell moonshine. Maple moonshine. Very specific. It's specific. It's, yeah, it's very specific. It's very Riverdale. I, I'm, I'm almost shocked that uh, Cheryl doesn't see, like, a trademark dispute there somewhere. Like, where are they getting mm-hmm. the syrup from? <clears throat> oh, maybe they're tapping her trees. But apparently, colleges are there seen. So college students can't get enough of maple syrup-flavored <laughs> uh, drinks. Not to be, like, all body shaming, but think about, like, how much alcohol you drink in college and then imagine if it's also infused with maple syrup. <laughs> that would be so sugary. <laughs> like, it's just, like, drinking, like, Plus, so like, much sugar. If if I'm, if I have a hangover the next morning fueled by the taste of maple syrup, where what do I do for breakfast? You oh, know? my God. Everything. Eggs. You I'm, only yeah, have eggs. I can't do pancakes for breakfast. That sucks. Get a bagel. You learn. You grow. You change. <laughs> Adapt. Overcome. 
<laughs> the world is healing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just does not seem like a very appealing. I mean, like I think I would like it as like a a, a specialty cocktail, but I don't think I would want that to be like my main source of like college drunkenness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, uh, Mr. Malloy, I guess, Dad Malloy, he tells them to pull their product. Uh, and Veronica just presumes this man works for Hiram. So she tells him to like, yeah. go back to his boss and get out of her, get out of her speakies. How did he find out about this place? This was too well, easy for him to find. If Hiram couldn't well, find it. I, can Hiram not find it? Is that been established or does Hiram remember no longer when, Remember when Hiram was like looking for their place with the police oh. and raiding it? Because they already have a speakeasy, but now this is their second speakeasy. Right, this is their Very second confusing. location. Can we talk about how scary Penelope is just, like, being there in yeah. her scary mask? <laughs> Penelope in her, in her face mask. Also, do people assume that it's not her? Like, I don't understand. Right, like, it's with her hair, with a mask that looks exactly like her face. Yeah, her fashion it's like, sense. I would just assume it's her. Right, it's not... It's Although, subtle. when I saw this shot of her, like, from a distance, my first thought was, why would they have that shot? Is that just a stand-in, or is that really the actress? Is she in this episode oh, or not? It definitely was her, right. I think. Right, yeah. Because later... So that's a good way to fake it. Yeah. Later, Veronica gets a late-night call from Cheryl uh, that the Maple Club got trashed by the Malloy. By the Malloy family. The Malloy boys. Malloy boy. I love it. Uh... Cheryl has a line where she's like, thank God they didn't find and molest my mumsy. Oh, I hated that. I was like, oh my God. It's a terrible line and one that leaves me questioning if she's like buried the hatchet with her mother in some way. It definitely seemed like it. She like kind of held her. Yeah, she's like holding her mom tight. Her mom's like, I was scared because I live here. Almost like it's by choice (laughs) instead of, you know, prison. (laughs) Right, right. I was scared because you forced me into this like creepy isolation. <laughs> because I where still I have to wear a mask. Because she can't leave the house and she's scared. It's very strange. I, I really like when this scene happened. My first instinct was Penelope's playing them in some way so she can get out of here. Oh, that would have made sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, would have made sense. Yeah. No, but not happened though. The Malloys are a legitimate threat, and again, it makes for a really good Hiram plot. Uh, Veronica accuses Hiram of controlling the Malloy boys, uh, but he, 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 he says they're not him. He gets nervous that she's even involved with them and tells her to be wary that they're dangerous. Then Veronica's like, Dad, I can handle it. I'm 18. I'm happy that they announced that she's 18 because, honestly, I was just... These kids need to be 18, so I feel less weird about some shit that happens, so... Uh, she also says, Dad, I just don't think you're that strong. You're, you're not strong enough to do that, which uh, was definitely going to be a trigger for him. Yeah, I am strong. <laughs> I go to the gym. <laughs> I make the guy that I almost killed. Have you seen out. my muscles? <laughs> yeah, I, I make mean, the man I tried to murder spot me. <laughs> which seems like... What a power it, move. Just, what a, yeah, Jesus. Also, like, if Archie wasn't so dumb and didn't realize the opportunity, if he only realized the opportunity he had. Mm, yeah, if only he knew. Drop a weight. Uh, so Hiram beats up one of the Malloy boys in an alley, uh, puts a gun to his head, 
and decides not to kill the man and walks away, only for this guy to just run up and beat Hiram <laughs> into the ground. Which is fucking Which crazy. Which was shitty. Yeah, Which, what, it was fuck shitty. this guy. Come on. Yeah, like, come on. You didn't need to do that right Hiram now. Hiram was much more respectful in the way he beat you up and put a gun to your head. But the way you beat <laughs> him up and left him for dead, not cool. But, like, the next again, scene, rad, rad Hiram action. It, it, I, man, I really thought this was what he was going to be when he first arrived. Like, a guy who does not have a criminal empire, but is a criminal. Uh, yeah. Doing, like, this kind of shit. Like, bad dad kind of shit. And instead, we got, like, most aggressive Pop-ups. mob plots ever. <laughs> yeah. So, I like that version <laughs> of Hiram better as well. Uh, but this is this is more fuel for the fire that like the Hiram is dying storyline has been one of the better Hiram storylines, which means again, Caitlin's right. Ugh, I'm right. Why am I right? Oh wait, didn't I want Hiram to die for like ever? It's basically what you've been saying since like somewhere in season two, where I'm like, just kill him, just kill him, just make him dead. Yeah. Yeah, you were just yeah. like, oh, I don't like him. We should get rid of him soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, like, I, if I was, like, You were a champion early show. in season three for, like, maybe we should just kill Hiram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still think if you killed Hiram, all all the boring plot lines would just go away. <laughs> you would think not about the room the you could spend Empire. with, like, Kevin and Reggie, which turns oh out God, to be, be very fun all the time. Such an insane plot line for Kevin and Reggie to get into. I Listen, I know we're thrilled. not in it right now, but the fact that we got a third installment of the tickling plot line is <laughs> fucking insane. I want to know who was really rooting for the tickling plot line. Right, right. Who who really loved that documentary? Was it was it something they planned to, to keep coming back to or did each writer like, did three writers, different writers, come in with tickling pitches? Or did one person pitch tickling and then two other people were like, wait, I, I have something for that, too. I have that. I have actually, and none of it has also, to do with the actual documentary. My, the thing that's still, and we'll get there, but I still think that they've really misread that whole documentary. But we will, we will get there when we get there. Right. In the meantime, Veronica comes home. And finds blood all over the place, and she nurses Hiram back to health. He says that he believes that he was weak. Uh, Veronica tells him that it's okay. Then You are weak, but that's okay. Yeah, You're my right. dad. Yeah, she doesn't really say anything more than that. She's like, it's okay, dad. Uh, <laughs> Cheryl uh, quits the rum business. Uh, but I, I still have questions about, like, what happens to her prisoner mom. <laughs> like, is she staying at the Mabel Club, or does she get to go home also? I mean, no, she, she has to be shot now. How bad. <laughs> she's just, like, there now, and she's like, my daughter doesn't even come by? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, then it ends with Veronica coming to Hiram and asking for money, basically for him to buy Cheryl out, which would mean she'd be in business with Hiram, which is also, an, like, something that I'm really into as, like, a story idea. Until Maybe we kill him off of it, But still, uh, he's like, you've refused my help so many times before, and she says, well, yeah, but now that you didn't murder that guy, <laughs> I can see that you're not so bad. 
Ooh, but but he but he did murder a guy. He murdered the dad. Yeah, dad and he Malloy. actually did something worse. He he did something worse. He went to someone who was not do not involved really in any way, and killed them. Right. Well, right. I mean, not that he wasn't involved killed, in any way, but he killed the father of the man who hurt him. Right. That's so much crueler, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Than killing that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fucked. Also, those guys look the same age, but who am I to say? Right. So. Wouldn't it be funny if you found out that the guy playing Dad Malloy is younger than Mark Consuelos? I would not be surprised. <laughs> Mark Consuelos is literally the genes. I don't know what magic is in them, but. No, he's just, he's, he's a Ken doll. He's like made of plastic. Yeah. Yeah, but like in a good way, not in like a ew way, like in a good for you way. So Hiram's a killer. Who would have thought that? Oh my god! After he killed all those people and, um, and tried to kill. Does she think that like when he tried to kill Archie, like somebody she like loves and is still with, that he was just like joking? No, no. Like, she I don't knows. Want... She knows he wanted to murder Archie, but he's not murdering people now. She thinks so. All's good. But- this is all within like the same school year, isn't it? Uh, Senior from year. Which time he hasn't tried to murder Archie all season. What are you talking about? When did this senior year? He was in prison at the beginning of this or no? That was last season. No, he was in prison at the beginning of this. <laughs> I forgot. Wait, he was? Yeah. Was he? He was in prison at the start of this season. Wait. Hermosa really? got him out I- of jail and then he was like, I'm gonna run for mayor. And then he was like, I'm going to get into the rum business. That all started that midway through this season. That's like, yeah, Hiram. Oh, God. Okay. So, you know what? No. No. That's all. What? That's all. Yeah, cool, Caitlin. <laughs> I have no, I have no uh, notes on that. Sorry, I just realized how far my concept of time has gone. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a weird Remember thing. the before times? Honestly, not that much. All right. No. Caitlin, where do you want to go? Uh, Jughead and Charles, Archie and Betty, or a plot for Reggie, Kevin, Fangs, and Tony? I think that we should do the tickling plot. Okay. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. So Reggie walks in on Kevin and Fang is counting their tickling money. Uh, sure. And then, uh, he confirms that he's not dealing anymore. That's why he's broke. Uh, and uh, they tell him about the tickling thing. He really puts the nail on the head when he says, that's weird as hell, boys, but apparently he's <laughs> in anyway. Because Reggie, Kevin, and Fangs get paid by Terry for their tickling video. And as that- the minute Terry leaves the room, Reggie's like, all right, well, let's ditch that guy and just make our own shit. Do they not understand, like, why... I, the, okay. Okay. It's all off-screen tickling, by the way. We've never had to watch any of the tickling happen. It's only talking about the tickling. I'm I'm happy about that. You're like honestly. Reggie, it's an endurance test. But okay, okay, John, you haven't seen this documentary, right? No, no. Okay, you should definitely like watch it because it's great. But in the documentary, they make the tickling videos. They claim it's like, oh, this is an extreme sport. They're really fetish videos, but they're also, the purpose of them is that they're using the fetish videos to blackmail the people in the videos. Right, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, so it doesn't really make any sense, because it's not that it's necessarily porn or that it's necessarily bad, but, like, 
yeah, it's, it's supposed just, to be blackmail, and instead they're it's just business here. Right. It's just it's sort just of like... It's just a side hustle. They could be Uber drivers, but they're tickling instead. Right. Right. It's just kind of like kind of a weird... But like, do they not think it's sexy? Like, do they not think people are like, like finding this like, like sexually satisfying? Like, so that's like, what I don't get. I what do they think? I was so confused as to why this storyline was coming back until midway right. through this storyline when I was like, oh, this is just going to turn into porn accidentally. Accidentally? It is porn. <laughs> no. Okay. So like Kevin breaks up with Terry. And Terry's like, you know where to find me. And I'm like, I guess in a booth here? I'm not <laughs> sure where to find you. Anyway, uh, the football boy, Reggie get, tries to get the, the Bulldogs to join the tickling. And they're like, well, maybe if it's co-ed. And then Tony's like, <laughs> uh, fine, but only the Vixens are in control of the tickling. And then they get both teams together and they pull names out of hats. And it's just seven minutes in heaven but with tickling. So I'm like, oh, a bunch of hot Riverdale teens. Yeah, go in this room and tickle. Like, I thought they were just going to end up having sex and be like, shit, we now have a porn tape. What are we supposed to do? And like, maybe we'll lead them to the Scarlet room, the Scarlet suite or whatever. But no, it's just, like, they just genuinely, like, do seven minutes in heaven with tickling with everyone and make bank. Right. But, like, it is still they, fetish video. We, <laughs> like, it is porn. It is a little bit, is, yeah. And it's all underage. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying that, like, this should necessarily be, like, you should be able to tickle your friends on camera and not be, like, prosecuted for it. Right. And the fact that everyone else has described it as technically legal kind of makes you feel like it should be illegal. Right. Like, there's something really, like, the thing is, it's like, who, yeah, who, they're, they're doing the tickling videos because they're making money, but who's watching the tickling videos? (laughs) That's my question. And, like, that's never brought up. Maybe it's the voyeur. Right, but, like, it's, like, who's making, who's buying these? Don't you care? Like, why aren't we talking about it? Can you imagine if they're just all, the, like, most of the stock of the Scarlet Suite? What, oh, like, it's just tickling. Right. It's, like, and like fix an A, Mr. Fix a B, Honey, fix Mr. Honey is so fucking mad because he needs to get his fix. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, that was gross. That was a disgusting thing, <laughs> Mr. Honey. I think that we can rule out him being a nice man. <laughs> Oh, what? Listen, he's got like a kink. I don't, I'm not going to shame him. I think that his kink is watching snuff films. Maybe. Maybe. That's what I, that's the vibe that I got. That's, that was the thing. Better that than he, than snuffing out life himself. Uh, John, I don't think that's true. (laughs) I don't think that's that far away. But you know what? Maybe, maybe we can save Mr. Honey. Who knows? I'm pretty sure we're going to kill Mr. Honey. Yeah, well, yes, maybe, but maybe not for real. We'll well explain later. Terry and his tickle boys come to Pops <laughs> to <laughs> threaten Kevin. Sure. Uh, they're about to break Kevin's fingers in a public place if he doesn't agree to give them 40% of their profits. I feel like if Kevin screamed they would stop because they'd get a lot of attention. But, like, maybe y'all should stop sitting in that booth all the way in the back corner over there where no one else Find sits. Find a new booth. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, you'll never tickle anyone again as they're, like, pulling his fingers back. It, and the sound design is legitimately scary. Is this supposed to be, like, comical? <laughs> like, like, truly, like, are we... Like, is this supposed to be, like, parody? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right. Am I supposed to laugh or be like, no. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's something to think about. <laughs> this show, three episodes of this. I didn't think totally. Terry and his tickle voice would come back. I thought Fangs and Kevin were doing it on their own last time. Well, now now it's a bigger operation. Reggie, meanwhile, tells Kevin that they're a hit. No, we're not going to give Terry anything. Set up a meeting. I'll handle it. So when Terry and his tickle boys show up to meet with Reggie, Kevin, and Fangs, Reggie just calls in the Bulldogs. And now he has more strong men. So he wins the negotiation. This is an insane story. <laughs> Terry, Terry, gets, Terry gets nothing now. And if he threatens again, Kevin again, then he gets beaten up. You know what they could do? Release the fucking tickling videos to your parents. Like, Jesus. Like. No, no, no. They're physically threatening. That's all they're doing. It's so weird. I, it's so weird. That is, that is a, that is a good point. Uh, next thing you know, the gang is called to meet with Mr. Honey, who was alerted to their tickling activities. Was it Terry? It doesn't matter. Uh, Kevin, Kevin uses the technically not illegal stance, and Honey agrees, but they were also wearing the school's copyrighted logo, so thankfully, he can finally put an end to this very strange storyline. <laughs> I mean, do you think that's it? You don't think... This is why you think- I continue to think Mr. Honey's a hero. He recognized that the storyline was weird and needed to... <laughs> like, he's just trying to make this town normal, and he's like, this has to stop. <laughs> I think he's the one shooting people in the videos, but just to like to erase all the plot lines that we no longer need. No, no, it's he's like trying symbolic. to remind the characters what we like about this show, and it's the murder. <laughs> it's the murder. It's just the murder. It's the murder. It's it's the murder. Uh, <laughs> Fangs and Kevin then <clears throat> muse about the future together at Pops. Kevin got into Carnegie Mellon. And Fangs got into the University of Pittsburgh on a scholarship, and they basically nice. make plans to date in college. So I thought that Kevin was going to NYU, but I wonder if because of Katie Keene, he didn't do that. Isn't he in an episode of Katie Keene? He is, but he it's like he's visiting. It's like he's not a New Yorker. But if mm-hmm. he went to like NYU, he but, would have just graduated. But that is so. frustratingly evidence that he's not a murderer for a couple of years now. Wait, that's so true. <clears throat> yeah. Fuck. Doesn't that suck? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but maybe Josie is Unless he never gets caught for being the voyeur. That would be fascinating if then he showed up on Katie Keene and was like the school drama teacher because <laughs> that's that's what happens to Kevin. Exactly what you thought would happen to Kevin if you're not me he's happens a, to Kevin. He's a drama teacher? Yeah, I think at Riverdale. Oh, great. So they're all going to be teachers next season. That's my least favorite thing. I would not be surprised if Riverdale jumped to the Katie Keene timeline. Yeah, I think they should. We're, but I again, don't we've been saying them, this all season. I know, but like, I don't want them to like be teachers. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe, but like... Yeah, I, I, I think them. Kevin will be a teacher. I hope they're not all teachers. Yeah, that I'm, would be I'm already sad. Like, I'm nervous about whatever they're going to do with Archie, because it seems like they can do no right with Archie, with the, <laughs> with the fans. No, no one is ever happy with whatever Archie's story is, and the Navy doesn't make me happy. So The, the Navy is 
is not a good approach. Um, right, right. I think you, he might- the moment they say it, you're like, this is also wrong. This also is not the place to take him. Where do we take him? I think that the problem with Archie is that he's come very far from his original character. He doesn't really have to make a decision between Betty and Veronica. He doesn't really have to make a decision between football and music. And that was always like kind of right, like the crux of Archie, the comic book character. That he was always yeah. sort of like indecisive. Oh yeah, I mean, so, also the crux was that he doesn't have to choose between those things. They just keep opening up for him. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, here, there you go. Yeah. I mean, maybe Tommy that's Archie it. It's like a charmed life, man. <laughs> Must be nice. Must be Must nice. Must be nice. No coronavirus. <laughs> that's really what we're talking yes. we're just oh. jealous of that yeah. specifically also that everyone loves him he's the most popular kid in school he's great at music and football I mean we actually don't really know how great he is at football I mean seems no, he's good oh, oh I don't know anything about football <laughs> once we once we get to the Archie plotline I have a question for you about his music though so okay great 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 we'll talk about it They agree that Terry had to have called Mr. Honey, cut to Holden Honey uh, at the the video store, upset that the Scarlet Sweep full of sex and snuff films is closed. (laughs) Like, that was his Friday night plan. (laughs) What if he doesn't actually know it's, like, a place for snuff films? What if there's, like, other movies there as well, and he thinks it's just, like, a private theater experience? The thing is, he really likes anime and like some there's some stuff mm-hmm. that you can only find like on rare videotapes and they're also in the scarlet suite he has and he always he always puts his hands up like blinders around his glasses when he walks through the porn just trying to get to his sweet anime <laughs> oh my gosh poor mr honey so pure Too he just pure wants to watch world. the original dub of evangelion because he doesn't like the netflix one I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. That was too deep. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay, man. You got to pull it back. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Are we doing, you want to do Jughead and Charles or Archie and Betty? Um, Sue, Archie, Mm -hmm. Archie and Betty. Okay. So Archie's in his room, strumming on his guitar, pining for Betty right by his framed photo of Veronica. Yeah, that annoyed me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I yeah we I do want to have like a whole conversation about this storyline. Great, episode. I'm here for it. Cool. Okay, but first let's just get into it. Uh, Betty reads her childhood diary about falling in love with Archie. It also finally confirms where KJ Apa's scar comes from. He fell off his. Body. I love that. That uh, was cute. That yeah, was really sweet. That was that was actually a nice little element. Uh, Alice reminisces with Betty about growing up and moving out. As if this were an entirely different show where y'all hadn't gone crazy for a year. <laughs> Archie and Betty meet in the sex bunker again, explaining how both of their significant others are busy. And they both acknowledge, this is nice, but they can't do anything anymore, because Betty loves Jughead and Archie loves Veronica. And neither one of them talk about their relationship to the other's boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. I'm like, she's literally your best friend, allegedly. So like, He's your best friend. That's my thing with this, with this episode is that I, with this storyline, I don't mind them ending it now. Like, because yeah, they're already in relationships and I can understand not wanting to have your characters do that to another character because you could never recover their relationships. But yeah. I wanted, I, I, it would have been dope if we could have had one episode in between where, like, 
Archie has to has to Archie and Betty are still like doing or like messing around a little bit and they have to deal with their feelings with their best friends. Like have Archie go off with Jughead for a plot. Like our Jughead needs Archie in Vegas to look through the woods for the blood from the from the video that he saw or something and they and like Archie has to like be normal around Jughead and the same goes for like Betty and Veronica. That's true. They don't really spend much time with each other at all in this right. episode. And like, so it's like kind of weird. Like almost ever, Jughead and Archie never have plots together. They like occasionally will have like I think it was season three where they like went off together. Right. After yeah. They went on the fair. <laughs> yeah. They went traveling for a bit. Went to that farm that wasn't the farm. Like that was fun. And then if he was also hooking up with Betty, that would have been really awkward. Yeah, that would have so. been like really interesting though. Yeah, I think that they focus so much on the relationship that they don't really get into the fact that, like, this is actually... And this is my problem with, honestly, I think this is why I'm so anti-Betty and Archie. Because if Betty and Veronica actually were, like, frenemies and not really, like, besties the way that they've been set up, Mm -hmm. this would actually be a much more fun thing because you could be, like... I mean, it would be less, I guess, emotionally harrowing in some ways, mm-hmm. but it would have been fun if like, you know, Betty hooking up with, like, I just feel like there's really no way for Betty and Archie to like truly be together or like even hook up in a it, serious way. If they do get together, it can't be okay. You know? Right. Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's, it's, it's a line that they, it's something they can't undo. And it would absolutely stop the relationship of friendship between Veronica and Betty. They'd stop being friends, and you would have more of the dynamic from the comic book, probably. Which wouldn't necessarily be terrible. Right. And maybe down the line, Betty breaks up with Archie. Archie dates neither of them, and the girls become friends again. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, like, I'm thinking that... What I'm thinking is you have a, a time jump. If maybe this all comes out and then you do a time jump, maybe that's one way to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yes, you hooked up with my boyfriend, but that was when we were 18 and now we're 24, and how are we going to navigate that? Right, Um, yeah. I mean, last time they found out about it, they just, Veronica and Jughead kissed, and, like, clearly there's nothing there, so. Right, I know. It's like, maybe, you know, who knows? But anyway, let us continue. right. Uh, Archie visits Fred's grave and asks for advice. Now, I... Listen, I swear, the CW only has one graveyard. (laughs) You're right. I think the same one was in, like, uh, all the superhero shows for Green Arrow's funeral just the other... Just, like, a few months ago. It would be funny if, like, the graves were still there. It was, like, all (laughs) of the... They walked by Oliver Queen's grave or something. That would be Mm -hmm. really funny. Archie doesn't know what his heart wants, and he doesn't want to hurt anyone, which, as we all know, is the fuckboy's lament. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, it's like, okay, but, you know, not hurting someone would also be not, like, trying to sleep with your best friend's girlfriend. <laughs> right, right. Like, but it's hard. He's one. got all these feelings. Oh, Archie. Sweet baby Archiekins. What are you doing? Uh, Betty reads from her diary about the time Archie proposed to her. Uh, then Mr. Honey calls Betty to the principal's office, and she and Kevin talk about how much they all just hate him. <laughs> Mr. Honey, he's been fine, honest to God. 
There's he, a couple moments of things you can't prove, like like him like fucking <laughs> up uh, Reggie's car. <laughs> right, right. That was bad though. That was real. We Maybe don't know if it was him. It. That could have been anyone. That could have been the voyeur. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine all the things that we think Mr. Honey did. It's just the boy. <laughs> right, right. Who's <laughs> like nobody like in anyone's radar right now? Yeah, but, like, it's Mr. Mr. Honey's like, current possessive guy. boyfriend, who's also like an experimental <laughs> filmmaker and mask maker, I guess. After he left the stage for Hedwig the Musical, he really, it broke him. And no, no, no. This is yeah, no, no, this is his new boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> God, he needs to get it together. He's, he's, been, he's been making really bad choices. Bad choices. Mr. Honey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it's hurting him the most. <laughs> yeah. And also Reggie, I guess, Mr. Honey, Mr. Honey reminds Betty that she's editor-in-chief of the yearbook. Because in between the Black Hood's return, the Gargoyle King, and the farm, she agreed to put together the yearbook for senior year. <laughs> I loved the way she delivers this line. Because she's expecting him to be like, oh, right, of course not. That was... And then he's like, mm-hmm. Like, here you go. It's my paper. <laughs> right, right, right. <sighs> I cannot think of something more Which is, by than the way, the like, how soon until the end of the year is it? Were you ever on yearbook committee? How early does yearbook committee actually have to meet for this kind of stuff? I think yearbook starts, like, at the beginning of the year. Right. But I, I was never a part of it. She'd have to be on yearbook for a while. It's weird how long that takes. Like, it's weird that Veronica isn't, like, chomping at the bit to be on the yearbook committee. I think that this yearbook committee just started. Like, I know, that's like crazy. Now. But I still think I feel like Veronica would be like all in on that. Be like, I know yeah. I like only win here for three years, but Archie, he's writing a song for Betty because he always does this shit, you basic crooning fool. <laughs> Do you okay, know the song? The song is the only, the song he starts to play sounds so much like the only exception by Paramore. If you listen to it, oh. it sounds just like it. But then that's not the song he plays. Listen, <laughs> so you, I thought that was very weird. I have a I have a theory about Archie's songs, and like the the biggest problem with Archie's songs is that they all sound exactly the same, but you yes, can't I remember agree. them the moment they end. That's it's, so true. It's just kind of like a white noise of boy crooning. Yeah. Yes. Like I know that he sang a lot in season one in the first season. He's all and like, I don't remember <laughs> any of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. That one, of course. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, I already forgot it. Yeah, exactly. But people people on the internet hate his music. Really? Oh, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be mean to his music because it's not bad. It's just, right. like, very there's generic someone, here. There's someone working for the show who's, like, putting together those songs. Yeah, that's so true, right? Right, it's not Archie, the character. It's, like, some human being. Right, there's, like, a music supervisor who's like, let's do this. Yeah, and they're like, okay, that sucks. I feel bad. They're they're all, they probably would be better also outside of the context of Riverdale. Like, because we're just like, uh, does he need to write a song for Betty right now? I think, I think it also hurts that we see, like, this absolutely too good-looking boy who has like so much going for him just being like i just want to sing but like if you just like heard the music without that context you'd be like oh this guy's like not bad but then you find out right. he looks like kj appa as arch and you're like oh fuck this guy 
Right, right. Too many good things are happening for you already. <laughs> it's like it's like really good looking comedians where you're like, all right, come on, man. Leave something for the like, rest of you, us. Yeah, like you need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be funny and hot. God. <laughs> it's too many things. Too many things. Betty reads a diary entry about listening to records with Archie. I like the little boy playing Archie. He does a weird face, like like Elvis impersonation during this. Yeah, bit. they're cute. This yeah. whole thing is cute. This is around the same time that Betty killed her cat caramel. <laughs> it is. For all we know, it, was this, it would be funny if she flipped the next page. Like then I murdered Caramel. Oh. Oh god, it was the same day. <laughs> it is because oh. it's the same little girl who was playing but you know what that it little girl is. must have been like, Oh, I don't have to murder a cat this week. This is great. <laughs> she was helping the cat, okay? She was helping. Oh, so sad. Uh Archie comes in, he's like, Hey, I heard about the yearbook. I'm here to help. And she's like, No, you're not. And he's like, Okay, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, I can't stop thinking about you. Well, what about what about Veronica? You love Veronica, and I love Jughead. Uh, they say uh, they they're like, but she can't stop thinking about him. So they're like, yeah, let's meet the bunker, but not tonight. We'll do it tomorrow. So that like, give us time to change our minds. Yeah, I didn't get why it was a weird like we should wait because maybe like I didn't get it. But okay. I was really, really hoping that Archie would go and break up with Veronica before they got to the bunker. Imagine. And then I he's was, like, great. Like, can you, can you imagine if Veronica. Archie like doubles down on it and she gets there intending to end it with him? That would be. And then <sighs> he's like, fuck. No, yeah, that would be so huge. That would like kind of break apart the friend group entirely. Cause then she well, would tell, no- Jughead would find out and then. <laughs> Yeah, there's absolutely no way to do this, honestly, without it imploding the friend group, though, so you might as well make it dramatic. If you're heading towards a time jump anyway, then you gotta do it, right? Because, like, now is the time to just blow it all up, and then you can just do your time jump and, like, find a way to piece it together after everyone's had time to cool down. You know what's the benefit of doing that also? So, like, on One Tree Hill, I'm pretty sure the end of One Tree Hill before the time jump, everything was pretty, like yay like all together like the people that you wanted to get together like all together and like it was all pretty happy and then the time jump had to kind of undo it well like the time jump it was like it undid a lot of the positive things so like like it would have worked if that was like a series finale right i feel like you use the time jump when you have backed yourself into a corner whether it's a problem you can't get out of or one, mm-hmm. or one where you've just run out of story for everyone, so you need to like change the status quo. Yeah, and with One Tree Hill, I thought it was interesting because like Nathan, who's a basketball player, and he like went to—I forgot what he did. Like he was drafted into the NBA or something at the end of high school, um, some shit like that. And then mm-hmm. when you pick up five years later, he uh, he's like in a wheelchair, I think, mm. or something like that. He he ends up being fine eventually, yeah. But like something happens in the in the between years where it's like everything is super different. Hmm. Like it's just so. I think that's what you need because 
it's probably better if they break up the friend group before high school graduation. They're like, we're done with each other. Bye. Fuck you. And then in five years, they have to like re know each other again. Right. Like instead of it being great, even do something like when the gargoyle King brought all the parents back together, like a something rears its head. Oh, that's what pretty little liars did. Like something reared its head and they all came coming back. I love that show. I love it so much. Anyway, Betty reads an entry in her diary about when she really first hated Cheryl for kissing Archie. <laughs> when Cheryl walks in and demands two pages for her and JJ in the yearbook. I think that's reasonable. Listen, I'm the be idea honest. that every senior gets a page is already nuts. We also don't know how big this school is. So, yes, it is nuts because I think we had like literally 50 seniors to one page. But. <laughs> This uh, might be a hundred. The seniors got like special space in my in my school, so like, it would be like three to a page instead of like like twenty people to a page as normally in a yearbook. So you think they should just make yearbooks then for the seniors? Like, wouldn't that make more sense? Am I crazy? Only for seniors. I really yeah. liked yearbooks as a kid, but then like earlier this year, I'm looking through my room, figuring my room back in back at home, my the home I grew up in, thinking, what do I want? And I'm looking at the yearbooks. I'm like, how many? I don't like. I kind of want them. They're kind of cool. They got all these pictures of everyone I knew and loved at really young ages. That's true. It is kind of nice. Then the, some of the signatures cute. are like time capsules, man. Aww. Like remember when you were friends with that kid, that weird kid who you don't talk to anymore. I'm still friends with most of those kids. Oh. <laughs> not that they're weird mm. i just i've held on to a lot of friends not all of them obviously but i'm like oh no yeah I'm like gosh i've been friends with this person for like 12 years that's cool that's pretty cool yeah, yeah i do i do have those friends that i'm like oh i've been friends with you for like there's i've been for the time i've been alive we've been friends for almost all of it oh yeah i was texting with my friend today and she and i met when we were like literally like two if not younger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. Right. And if you would want to date them, that makes you like Betty and Archie, I guess. Yeah, I don't. But, <laughs> but that would be bad. Yeah, not the that people who, not... who knew me at every stage of my life. Yikes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of amazing that Betty and Archie did not date when you think about it. Like, Betty's hot, you know, Archie's You know what hot. I think? If Veronica had not came to town the night she came to town, Archie and Betty would be dating right now. Oh, that would have been that, a cool sliding doors episode to do if Veronica yes. had never come to Riverdale. That would have been a great sliding doors episode. And then she would be like dating Nick St. Clair. And then at the end of the episode, you can have it even have it be like she finally does show up in Riverdale or they have like some right. chance meeting. And then her and Betty sit down at a booth and pops and she's like, oh, well, what do you do? And she's like, oh, me and my boyfriend, Archie, blah, blah. And Art- Veronica can be like, wow, he sounds like a really great guy. Be careful. You know, if he ever comes to New York, I might snatch him up. And then they can laugh and laugh. And then Jughead <laughs> can do a voiceover and be like, sliding doors. <laughs> definition. Right. Gwyneth Paltrow movie from the 90s. <laughs> As we all know, it Jughead's a big Gwyneth Paltrow fan. He writes He itself. shops on Goop. <laughs> I honestly, Goop. I have the best goop stories, but we'll get into them. We can't get into that, so. No, no. This is, uh, whatever. Who was their, who's the makeup sponsor they had when they started this show? Was oh, my God. CoverGirl? Mabel? It was CoverGirl. Cover That's right. CoverGirl. Or was it Maybelline? No, it was CoverGirl. It was CoverGirl. It was CoverGirl. Yeah. 
Uh, a quality brand. Cheryl, Cheryl grabs the diary and reads it and immediately pieces things together that Barchi is possible. Uh, and then Cheryl, for some reason, gets, like, really self-aware uh, mm-hmm. and tells Betty Like, she's that, very normal. Right, right. A, a very sane Cheryl tells Betty that Betty is in love with the idea of Archie and this idealized perfect romance that she always had in her head when she was a kid and in love with him. Uh, but that her and Jughead kind of finding each other amid all of this chaos is is what's real. You know, they're Avengers Endgame. Uh, and Cheryl tells Betty <laughs> to stop before anyone gets hurt. That's such good advice. Yeah, like, a, cool, someone said it. I get it. It makes sense because I would also be reticent to blow up this friend group. I, okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. And not to get too philosophical. Cool. But if you were Jughead, I mean, I guess this is hard because if you didn't know, you didn't know. Would you want to know or would you rather, like, would you would you want to know about all of this or not? Or just have Betty go on pretending like it's fine? I mean, if I had the choice. Yeah, I don't know how you would have the choice because mm. then you would know. But like, or maybe do you think it's better think, for Betty to I tell him? If I were Jughead, I'd already be like a little bit nervous after the whole like they made out with each other as a con thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'd probably be much happier not knowing. <laughs> See, I think that... I could not, if I was Betty in the situation, I could definitely not tell, I could, I could not keep that secret. Like he would have to know immediately. I would throw up. Oh, it's coming like, out. I could, yeah. But like, I would need to be the one to tell him like, like me and Archie made out. And then I would be running to Jughead in my home where he also lives. Uh-huh. Um, and like telling him immediately because I could not live with that guilt. And I think if I was Jughead, as much as it would suck, I would need to know. Like, I would just, like, I mean, maybe it means that they can't be together, or at least can't be together right now, but, like, I would need to know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, rules of storytelling, he's gonna find out, eventually. Right, exactly. Also, rules of life. <laughs> if, you cheat, if you cheat, they're gonna find out at some point. Yeah, and they will absolutely. Just don't. Don't do that. Don't do that. You heard it here first. Don't- Cheating is wrong. We're the only podcast willing to take a stand on this. Yeah, I'm really happy that we can finally, um, you know, push that opinion out onto Mm -hmm. the world. So, you know, hey, look, if you want to be in a multifaceted, multifaceted, polygamous, that feels like, no, polyamorous, I guess, relationship, I guess, because no one's getting married unless Archie does propose to Betty at you know, 18, if they all want to be in a polyamorous relationship, you know, that would be cool. I would be supportive. Honestly, that would probably solve all their problems. Yeah. Like that's what we thought was going to happen on to Riverdale and back again. But that was not the right. Can you imagine if like Jughead and Veronica dated? It would be so boring. Would it be though? It wouldn't be any different from her and Archie. They'd probably just be sleeping together all the time. No, I don't think that Jughead and Veronica have sexual chemistry. Yeah, probably at least, not. At least Archie and Veronica do have that sexual chemistry, and mm-hmm. I don't know what Veronica and Jughead have because they don't talk. So. Oh, God, I would love to see an episode of just them doing a thing to see if there's anything there. Just Yeah, try. there's not. Maybe, there's not. Maybe there is. 
You know if, who's continuing to be If she had lonely? to take him to, like, a fancy thing, like, she's Monica Posh, and he had to go undercover also, I think they I think they would have some fun doing, like, a stupid James Bondy mission together. You know what? She's a great let's, Bond girl, and he's kind of like Daniel happen. Craig Bond. I think that Veronica I'll is that Bond. Episode. Veronica is Bond, and Jughead is the Bond girl. In the scenario, sure, yeah. Yeah, it seems more real. I don't know what supports that, but <laughs> yeah, I that's don't know. what I want. I don't know what you're talking about. But. <laughs> it's very hot in my room. Oh, can you and... imagine like a whole Bond thing with like Hiram as Bond villain capturing Jughead at one point and threatening him? Jughead, and, Jughead like... and Hiram never really do anything together. Right, it's like he's so... You would think that actually it would be perfect because Jughead has like this uh, inferiority complex with like rich people mm-hmm. and that that Hiram seems like the perfect guy for him to be like hating on but yeah. never really happens no never, they weird. never really they're not really in each other's circles that much no wait so did we get to the song so Archie plays Betty his song and before you can say oh god not another Archie song Betty stops it <laughs> Because she loves Jughead, and he loves Veronica, right? And I'm like, right? No. Nope. does he nope. break up with Veronica? Uh, she thinks they are scared of everything changing, but that they feel safe together. Uh, neither of them want to hurt their boyfriend or girlfriend, so they're just gonna they're just going to stop this now. Just going to stop Archie. I think that Archie is in love with Betty, and I think that Betty is being honest here. Yeah, I think... Nothing could have stopped Archie. Yeah. Uh, Betty yeah. was the only one who could have stopped this. So sad. So I feel bad for her because it on her sucks. Part, yeah, it sucks. Uh, then we go to Archie in his room. He's practicing guitar. He took down his punching bag. He's reverting into season one Archie. And uh, <laughs> Mary comes in and my God, she's just like, oh, that's a lovely song. Has Veronica heard it yet? It must be for her. <laughs> Yikes! And he's he's like not yet. Uh, it's a surprise. And Archie tells, surprise, I'm cheating on you with your best friend. Archie tells Mary that he's ready to get serious about the Navy, and Mary's like, "Great, I'll call my girlfriend." Just kidding, she lives here now, and then runs out of the room. <laughs> uh, Alice finds Betty burning her diaries and convinces Betty to save just one of them, which is enough for me to think there's still a chance. There's something in there, right? Like, there's something in that diary yeah. that's weird. Hope. Hope for yeah, Barchi. Don't know. No. It's not, I mean, there it's is not definitely. dead yet. I don't think it's dead yet. Well, don't you think that her saying, propose to me again when you're 18, that that was like a weird sign of something? They, I, I think they mentioned that before, like back in season one. No, oh, well, I thought it was kind of compelling. Is as he a 18 yet? I don't know. They haven't really said. Only right. Jughead is allowed to have they, birthday yeah. parties. They, right. We've seen Jughead's birthday, but never again. Yeah. Only that one time. Mm. And it went bad. Mm, yeah. But that was the moment I thought that maybe uh, Jughead and Betty were not meant to be. That was the moment. Oh, right. I was like, I was like, eh, I don't know, guys. That's, I don't know if this is working out. That's one of our favorite <laughs> Jughead episodes, though, because that's the one with, oh, great, Kevin's here. And, uh, yes. And yes. Uh, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. You see me always with this hat? 
Honestly, that if we can get the writer of that specific episode on, I think that that would be. I would love perfect. that. Yeah, we gotta look that up. All right, you want to do this Jughead Charles plot? Yes, please. Cool. So the Cooper Joneses watched the new bludgeoning video because I guess they're all in the FBI now. Jelly Bean uh, walks in the room and they go, Jelly Bean, you're not allowed to be in this episode. And she leaves and never appears again for the rest of the episode. <laughs> this actress, I hope she's not committed to this show. <laughs> I mean, show. hey, they just paid her probably a good amount of money for that one scene. It's just so funny. It's like, oh, and that's my line. Like, why okay. even? Just cut it entirely. I feel like a producer would have stopped them from even doing that. Unless there was know, like a whole weird. Jelly Bean storyline that they cut out of this episode. They probably pay her at least $20,000 per episode. Right, and they got like, every time, because she is a, is a child, she's under 18, every time you do an episode or bring her in for a day, you also have to bring in, like, a tutor to teach her. Yeah, that's so funny. It's just so weird. Well, anyway, good for you. Right. Uh, so Charles asks Jughead, Jughead for help and calls him his little brother, which is kind of always a weird thing to think about because Charles is so places Betty's brother that I forget that he's also Jughead's brother, and we don't like to look at that. Yeah, we don't think about that at all, that they share a sibling. Mm-hmm. It is weird. And they're dating. It's super weird. Yeah. yeah it's- he sh- he's the one who should be uncomfortable about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really funny if Charles felt really weird about the whole thing. If that's like, why I'm he's sorry. working with Chick, he's like, listen, Chick and I aren't actually in love. It's just, this is fucking weird and I needed to stop. <laughs> this is actually just the hill I die on, that this isn't an appropriate sibling relationship. <laughs> Call me old-fashioned, but I think maybe my brother and sister shouldn't date. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. When you phrase it like that, it's real fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they're like, but from our perspective, he's like, I'm not seeing it from your perspective. <laughs> God, that would suck to find out that you were kind of related to, like, your love of your life, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Like, that would be horrible. (laughs) I would not love it. (laughs) No, you wouldn't like that at all. No, I I frown upon it. Jughead and Charles watched through hours of footage of the tape drop-off so they can ID who submitted the scary tape. And Jughead sees someone he recognizes and asks to check it out on his own. Again, this is guys in the FBI. (laughs) No. Yeah. Anyway, Jughead talks to Ethel. She's back. I know. I was wondering when she was showing back. I was literally thinking about her. She's looking She's doing pretty good. (laughs) Sure. She's like, what's Griffiths and Gargoyles? She got brainwashed. Someone someone, like hypnotized (laughs) her and got it all out of her head. I don't remember that season at all. Do you remember, do you remember the Veronica Mars where like she goes to get that boy out of that farm? Yes, but isn't it, like, the guy from Mean Girls, and isn't it, like, he's very happy there? Yeah, it's something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's much, he's a much better person there. It's like that, yeah. but the opposite. Right, no, but we're not like that at all, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ethel, Ethel, uh, he tells Ethel about the scary tape, and he's like, you're the only person who dropped tapes off with a direct connection to Betty and me, which seems crazy, because we've seen tapes come into everyone they know. Right. Ethel swears she didn't have anything to do with that tape, though. So Jughead has a new theory. The voyeur is a filmmaker. Great theory, Jughead. Yeah, didn't we, like, get there when he was watching everybody in the audience filming him, like, singing that Hedwig <laughs> right. song? yeah, that was the end of last episode. So, like, we could have just yeah, opened he... with that. Anyway. Right. Jughead and Charles visit a 24-hour video store in town, which is such a weird thing to have. Uh, yes. And the owner is, like, a weird amount of helpful. So, like, 
He gets Weird really in the weeds about how his filing system works, and I only point this out because it's a it's a weird thing to tell us the the audience the exact rules of like oh each page has a person's name here what what they checked out when it checked out and when it came back why would they tell us that specific thing if those don't lead to any revelations later like I assume someone would be looking through the paper later and be like hey check this out this this one tape has like never stayed there for like this amount of time or something like it kept moving but no it's just. They just, like, explain us how it works, and we don't see it again. Would you say that this is mundane yet macabre? Does macabre mean frustrating? No. <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, Ethel Muggs has rented Friday the 13th 16 times. This is not weird, I want to point out, like, in any other universe. It's not weird? It's not weird to me. Maybe it's a versatile thing. <laughs> I just feel like you get to 13 times a Friday the 13th and you have to make a choice. If you're like, all right, that's funny, but if I do more, then I like really am admitting I have a problem. I do want to point out that she could have rented like all of the sequels. Yeah, like, did I know she not, not know there are other Friday the 13th movies? <laughs> she keeps trying to get the second, the third, the fourth, should, but no. She should check these out. There's one in space. There's so many of them that he, like gets very strange. He takes Manhattan. Think about how not weird it would have been if she rented, though, all of them, like, all of the Friday the 13th, instead of just renting this first one, like, 16 times. I like to think that we did miss the scene where Jughead asks about that and points out that there are sequels, and she's like, wait, what? They made more than one? (laughs) Oh my god, I have so many plans now. This is incredible. I gotta find these. Are they in the secret... Back room? No, no, they're online. You can stream them. You could. You have a Roku. Yeah, there's like at least I think six and seven or you, five and six are you on Hulu. Don't need a video cassette player to watch any of these. It's a little weird that she doesn't think that these very popular movies are digitized. Ethel, have you tried Shutter? You should get Shutter. You'd love it. Yeah, someone needs to. Someone needs to help this girl out. So Jughead visits the front office at school and asks about the AV club, and they're like, oh, well, it's a website that does, like, TV show reviews. <laughs> uh, members of the AV this club a- can rent equipment, and Ethel Muggs is the president of the AV club. Of course. And uh, the woman at the front desk is very forthcoming, telling, Charles, telling Jughead that Charles came in, asked the same questions, and then left with Ethel. Huh. Weird. And so It's when- almost like... <laughs> That's a connection for this woman to have made in her head. Yeah. Uh, This woman secretly knows all. When Jughead gets to Charles uh, in his secret FBI room, uh, Charles is like, hey, check out this tape I found in Ethel's house. And it turns out Ethel had Jughead and Betty's sex tape. I really hate that they did that, that they made the sex tape. I think that's, I mean, they didn't make it personally, but no one chose this. That's so gross. Well, I mean, I know. Yeah, that's disgusting. Brett, out of respect for his two friends, thought that they did a great job and could make a lot of bank off of this, so he started distributing it as Ponytail Playmate. Uh, And at least one-third more money than the tickling videos. (laughs) (laughs) Ethel uh, Ethel found this in the Scarlet Suite, the secret back room of the video store that has homemade tapes, raw stuff, sex tapes, snuff films. Ugh. I want to point out also snuff films are not real. They're not real? Did I not tell you about the argument that I got in at my Easter dinner about stuff films? Your family's <laughs> no. weird, man. 
<laughs> is my family weird or do I just bring up weird stuff at tell me, Easter tell dinner? Tell me about the argument you had on Easter about snuff films. <laughs> so it's Easter. Um, and I bring up that snuff films, as I've recently learned, are not real. Um, it's not that people don't have... It's not that there are no videos of people dying, no videos of people being killed. A snuff film, by definition, is that you kill someone on tape so that you can then sell that tape to someone who wants to see a tape of someone being killed. Does that make sense? Like, like a snuff film is not you kidnapping someone for, like, other reasons and then filming your crime because, like, you wanted to film your crime. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So... Well, of course, there are many videos that you can find of people, like, being killed, sadly. The thing about a snuff film is that no one has ever been paid, like, a million dollars to, like, kill someone on tape. And that was the argument that I was trying to make, and I don't think anybody got what I was trying to say. There's been no record of anyone being able to, like, have produced, like, a snuff film for the sake of, like, it being a snuff film. And I think that's really interesting. But I also understand why it's not an appropriate thing to bring up at your Easter brunch. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Who, what did they so, wait? What did they think a snuff film was? Everyone was just like, I don't know. I mean, people are crazy. People pay a lot of money for stuff, and I'm like, okay, but there's no evidence of it ever happening. And also, why would somebody like how much money would you have to pay someone to make a video of like you filming your crime happening? Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like. Like, why would anyone do that? It's not that people don't pay people to kill people, but, like, they don't pay you to then, like, they don't hand over the evidence that you did it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Anyway, snuff films don't really make sense. <laughs> so I found all this information on Snopes.com. Oh, so. cool. Snopes. Snopes plug. Yeah. I love Snopes. I look up everything on Snopes. Snopes is how I feel smarter than other people. I can't believe we're not even getting paid by Snopes for this. I know. Crazy. So weird. So Charles and the FBI search the video store. They find the Scarlet Suite, and Jughead finds a copy of the tape depicting Jason's murder, a literal snuff film. <laughs> it exists! That's that's the real one. <laughs> uh, I don't know who's watching that. Well, I mean, I guess our all of our main characters have watched it. I also want to point out this is also not technically a snuff film, because... This because Jason Blossom was not killed to be killed on tape. Ergo, it's still my point still. Because stands. it wasn't intentional, it's not a snuff film. Exactly. I don't know, that's, man. That's, I don't think I don't think the definition has to include intention to distribute. No, that's the definition. It's like murder tape obviously. But whoever exists, did but, make this version of it did intend to distribute the video. I don't think the people have to know going in, do they? I, like a life is still snuffed out. It's a snuff film. I love how you twice now use the term snuffed out of like life being snuffed out. Yeah. Like a candle. I know that's I the point it twice? of it. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's just funny. I'm like, I've never heard it said that way, but like that is the definition. That is what it means. That's where it came from. I guess. Yeah. So like like yeah. No, it's not technically a snuff film then. Hmm. This is just like Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's Easter all over again. Oh man, French show sounds so good right now, though. Jughead tells Betty about the sex tape, and like Betty doesn't have a line here, but she kind of makes a face that almost looks like a smile, and that's 
weird. Uh, but before <laughs> we can even really get into that, Cheryl calls Jughead. She got another tape. And uh, Betty asks to join Jughead for the mystery because, God damn it, she needs this relationship to work. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they watch a video of a, of a man in a cliff mask murdering a man in a Jason mask. Guys, we gotta so track down really who's dead? making these masks. I think that could be where you find the source. Yeah, wait, that's a great idea. That makes so much more sense to track down, like, the one really weird thing like, in the video. Yeah. Like, there's, a, like, there's someone on Etsy making these masks. Yeah, like, find that person, then you got your guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, so now there are two dead bodies? Yeah, man, let's get, into that, uh, let's, uh, let's get into that rumor mill. There's two yeah, dead bodies. Yeah, so I... Maybe. Or, again, we, that could just be, like, a squib and be performative. We don't know. Right. That's that's the thing that it's I feel like no insane. one is. Yeah. It's like kind of pissing me off because I'm like, I wish that they could find a body or something to prove that this is real because I'm not sure if we're supposed to like assume that it is real. Do you know? Like it's a little bit like mystery instead of, it's a bit of confusion instead of mystery. Like that's what I don't love about this. Otherwise, I think it's really cool. Yeah. It would just be so much more interesting to me if it could be like, we found this kid who was kidnapped for like three weeks and right. now he's dead. Like but This person is instead just really good at unnerving everyone. Like everyone's really uncomfortable all the time, but he's not actually doing anything. If We no know that Cliff, we know Cliff killed Jason, right? Like, yeah, dude, that was, yeah, that's the first mystery. That's no, been, I mean, that's like, been I know 100% like, knowledge from the end of season one. I know that, like, we we obviously know that, but like, all of Riverdale knows that too. I believe so. I believe that's so, common knowledge. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I was like, well, what if, you know, I don't know. Because I was like, did somebody else get blamed for this? I forget. But yeah, so the Jughead thing is actually more interesting because it seems like they were watching Jughead then from, like, the beginning. Mm-hmm. More than just watching his house, watching him in the woods with Brett, all those. I mean, right. isn't it weird, though, that there's, like, if it's not the kids from um, whatever the school was called. We talked about it for, so, like, so many episodes. What was that school called? Stonewall? Um, Stonewall. <laughs> isn't it weird that there could be, like, the Stonewall kids who tried to kill Jughead? And then also some other fucking guy in the woods that day who, like, wasn't trying to kill Jughead, but, like, was there to be creepy and do other bad things, but later. <laughs> the, so weird. They just stumbled upon him and be like, I guess I'll change my whole thing. Yeah, this will be a different thing. Wait, it's Jonathan. It's Jonathan. Who? Jonathan from Stonewall. The one they oh, killed. Maybe. I don't know. Sure. It's Jonathan. Could be Jonathan. I mean, there's no reason to say it's not Jonathan. Right I now. mean, are we going to find out? <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know. That's the other thing that's pretty sad that we might not find out. It's going to be a long like, time if they. I, God, I guess I will only know next week. But. I, I'll tweet it. Like, if someone could just tweet it at me, like, then I'll know and I'll be fine <laughs> with that. I just will need to know. Fact. I'll need to know. Let's uh, let's do some superlatives. Okay. Best business um, manager, Reggie. Um. Let's see. Best secret hobby, Mister Honey. Best coordination, Terry and the Tickle Boys. 
See that? One of them, like, slipped into the left of Kevin inside his booth. That was really cool. Let's see. Best... Hmm. Best consistent personality, Hiram. Best song, Hiram being beaten up in the alley. Music to my ears. <laughs> Not Archie's song. Not Archie's song. <laughs> so sad. So sad. John, what are you looking forward to? This is so. Oh God, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. So like, I've been I've been having trouble finding anything to watch recently because I my brain keeps going. It's like you know what you really want to watch that thing that only exists in your head. So right, like, yeah. I'm kind of excited about writing right now. That's good. You should watch only the show that is in your brain. Yeah, only the yeah. movie. I'm I'm reading. Uh, I just started reading Aristotle's Poetics today. To, wow, to learn Jesus, about, like, some, some early writing shit. Are you doing all the stuff that everyone wants to do in quarantine but is too anxious about doing so we don't do it? No, I just, I was watching this master class with Aaron Sorkin today and he was like, oh, Jesus, you are. are Aristotle's <laughs> you poetic. are. Yeah, I did kind of go to school today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, John is like, I put it on the television and then I had notes and I was like, damn, okay. I did but not like, realize trust I had me, to I've, like, I've also been doing like nuts. Okay, this week I've, I've really been kind of getting it together because I gave blood also. Uh, I swear I mean, I'm usually very I lazy. Blood. I can explain. I can explain. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, are you also running? Like, Jesus. No, no, but I am working out a lot. Okay, see, there you go, John. Fine. You found one more thing to add. You can run now if you want to run. You have a bike in your living room. I do, but then I just do my bike and I watch you... my Katie Keen, and uh, it's nice. Right. What's the difference? I'm watching The Good Wife while working out in my room. Oh, I love it. That's fun. All these shows are not really, like, pump-up workout shows. No, like, but they are good television. Well, I don't know yeah, about Katie Keene, but, like, thoroughly life is enjoying good television. It. I think for me, like, what I'm looking forward to is actually, like, not necessarily just Katie Keene, but I've been trying to find some shows that are, like, a little bit uh, lighter and fun. Mm. And you'd be kind of surprised how in, like, today's climate, not a lot of shows are like that. Isn't that like, what that, um, what's the show on Freeform that you like? Um, Three Girls. Every single, every single show. The Bull Type? Yeah, bull yeah. Type. Isn't that kind of that speed? Yes, it's like, yes, Katie Keene is pretty similar to The Bull Type, actually, because it's very, it's not that they don't have problems, it's that you always kind of feel like there's no darkness that's the center of the show. I think I, what, what, what sorry to interrupt but i think i think what roberto has done is he's found this very specific niche of like taking kids as they exist in the present and letting them live in the atmosphere of the past where anything was possible yeah. that's true yes that's kind of what this what katie keen feels like it feels like some of the things on katie keen the reason why it wasn't super crazy about the first like two episodes was that like, okay, like as like a 20 something living in LA, like I just didn't buy the fact that like somebody would come to New York and be like, wow, a drag show? Really? Here? And I'm like, yes, like obviously. <laughs> like, of course. Like, what? Like, right. that's all Average you do. Tuesday night. <laughs> Yeah, like, but like, literally, like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I live in a bubble where you do. I'm like, like a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I know. yeah, yeah. Some people drag is far out. 
Right. I'm like, what? Like, this is very, very popular. Like, literally, like, people go to brunch and they're, like, drag queens, like, doing bits, like, <laughs> yeah. as you're eating. Yeah, drag like, brunch. Like, it's very normal. Like, right. like when... Drag brunch I, is, like, hibachi. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, we're going to drag brunch. <laughs> right, exactly. Dinner and a that show. really good. Exactly. You know, 11 a.m. and a show. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, Mimosas it's in the super show. fun. Oh, that sounds so good. So good right now. But that's, like, the thing about Katie Keen that I was like, okay... And then, then it kind of, I kind of started buying into like the fantasy of it, like the, the sort of fun, like, oh, she wants to be a fashion designer, right. but oh, there's all wish. these obstacles. Right. Ooh. Like, and you know, the, it's not that she succeeds. She doesn't like she fails and fails and fails, mm-hmm. but like, she's so earnest and sweet and like, it's so cute and nice. But then they also, the one thing I will say about Katie Keene that I don't love, and I'm just going to rant about this really quickly. Do it. Do it. Okay. So. So kind of like to my point where I I don't want to pretend, I really don't want to pretend that we live in a society where that is no longer homophobic or racist or sexist. Like I don't want to, we don't live in that society. I wish we did. But like, I also think that sometimes some of these teen dramas or 20 something dramas that are set in a big city are real quick to pull out a gay bashing storyline, like really fast to be like, and then, like, the nice, you know, fully developed gay character that we have on the show got beat up for being gay. Like, I feel like that's always, like, a plot point on a lot of these shows. And I'm not saying that that does not happen. Of course that happens. But, like, why can't we just have, like, a, a really, like, a character who could be gay and happy because we've seen like the reverse of that so much mm-hmm. that like, I think that like, if you're a young gay boy watching Katie Keene, it would be really cool to see a character who like, doesn't necessarily struggle so much with the external world, like viewing their sexuality negatively. Does that make sense? They kind of want you like you, if, if you were that kind of person, the audience You'd like to have maybe the fantasy of a world where this isn't the reality all the time. Yeah, and it's not necessarily like we should sugarcoat everything and pretend that, like, you know, you're not going to get any pushback. But, like, I really, really, really hate storylines where, like, gay people are, like, jumped and, like, beaten up. Because, like, when that happened on Degrassi 15 years ago, maybe even more now, like, that was obviously very harrowing and upsetting and terrible. But, like... Like, I just feel like we've come so far that, like, can we, like, in New York City, like, is this, not that this doesn't happen, but, like, is this the story we need to tell? Does that make sense? Yeah. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do need to tell the story. Maybe, like, I don't want to pretend that once against, like, I just think that, like, we don't need necessarily these, uh, like, it just seems like it, it sucks. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I was, like, a young gay boy, I would be, like, this sucks. I don't want you know to be. I, mean? I don't want to be outraged for a community that I'm not a part of. But I am. I am curious to to know what people think about that. Yes, I think that's also very fair. Like I cannot speak to like a guy who comes out of a bar in drag and like gets beaten up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm never like that's not my experience. I'm never going to no. be there. Maybe that's something that people really want to see. You beaten up outside a bar? No, no, not really. <laughs> no, no, but maybe that's something that people feel like is necessary to spread awareness. But 
I was talking to, not to be like, this is going to sound really annoying what I'm going to say, but I was speaking to Ryan Murphy on the phone for an interview for his new show, Hollywood, which I'm obsessed with. And one of the things that he was talking about was that he felt, and he's a gay man, when he felt that when he was growing up, and he said he even played into this a little bit in his own career, because he felt when he was growing up, he, um, he was only confronted with stories of gay people who eventually they were like tortured or maimed or killed for being gay. Right. And so his new show, Hollywood, he wanted to make that not the center of the plot that he, he, the show is, there's a lot of homophobia, homophobic people in it and that still exists, but he didn't want to show another thing where it's like two guys hold hands and then are like attacked for it. You know, Mm -hmm. like he wanted to show like a more like give people hope and give people like a happy ending because he felt like he had really grown up seeing only these super like negative uh, depictions of of not necessarily negative depictions of gay characters, but negative depictions of um, how they would be treated. If that makes sense. Yeah. That make, and I you, know, really you know what I keep thinking about uh, the this one scene keeps popping back in my head. Did you see it, Chapter Two? Yes, and Do you I remember actually, how it I, starts. Yes, I do. I was actually just talking about that. And that was a scene that I really, I, I enjoyed that movie, but I really did not it's love visceral. that scene. Yes, I thought it was like, especially because of the way the movie goes, I'm like, like, I didn't feel like there was like a lot of hope for the gay characters in that movie because it seemed like, or character, I guess, technically, I don't know. But I, it just felt so not that that doesn't happen. Of course that happens and it happens too often, but it, it sort of like put a bad taste in my mouth because I was like, like I didn't want to, I don't know. It like felt really bad. <laughs> like, like it just felt like so horrible to then have the clown like later on be uh kind of goofy that maybe like, I was like, Oh God, like, like, those two things I'm like the clown's not scary anymore and maybe that's the point right like you know what human beings are capable of doing to each other is like way worse than what an evil clown can you know but but anyway what a weird tangent this went on (laughs) I'm sorry that was dark so Caitlin what are you watching right now what are you excited about oh Okay, well, like I said, loving Katie Keene. I want to to acknowledge that I think Katie Keene is so much fun and I love all the characters and I think it's the perfect show to ride my bike to in the morning now that I'm done with Gossip Girl. But I'm also loving Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. And honestly, it's getting mixed reviews, but I think that it's really, really wonderful. Um, Isn't it just kind of, I just want to, a part of me is wondering, is it, is it good to write a story where the past is better than it really was? Or is that just kind of wishful thinking? Well, what I think... erasing the past to put a nicer face on it. I don't think it's erasing the past, actually. I think it's... If you watch it, you'll you'll understand this a little bit better, I think. It's hard to explain. A lot of it is very true up to a point. And then it it is a better ending. But the thing that's really interesting is that it still rings really true to the problems of today. So it's not necessarily saying, oh, if all of this happened back in, you know, 1948, 
we would be in such a better place. It's almost sort of like making you think about how, well, why, like all of these things that were issues back in 1948 about, you know, why aren't there enough like queer love stories on screen? Why aren't there enough, um, you know, like leading roles for black people or behind the scenes, why aren't women running more studios? And like the fact that like, you can see this through like a lens of like 1948, it like really makes you examine, I think the present day without it being like, if it, if this was set in the present day, I feel like there's a lot of, it, it's interesting to see sort of like almost the origins of a lot of the problems that Hollywood has today. And like, what if we didn't get in the way of progress back then? It's like, what if, what if, I think it's really good and uh, it's really fun and it's really uplifting. And it's, if you're like a Hollywood person, like you love like old Hollywood stuff, mm-hmm. it's really just enjoyable to like, the glitz, the glamour, but like also like, you know, like real people being characters on the show. It's good. I really, are you kidding? I really it's new it. TV. You know, you want that shit. We're running exactly. out of it. It's a diminishing resource. I know. Now you gotta, you really gotta watch it now, guys. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta start gotta... rationing your television. I'm gonna add one more bonus uh, honorable mention. Uh, Never Have I Ever Jesus. on Netflix. Hilarious. Okay, well, this Hilarious. Is three things. Three things, but you know what, John? It's a pandemic. So, <laughs> so I get to have three things as a treat. Caitlin, where can they find you? You can find me at Twitter, on Twitter, at Riley Tweets. That's R-E-I-L-O-Y Tweets. You can find us on the Riverdale Register podcast on Instagram. What about you, John? You can find me on Twitter at John Padden. And you can find me on my blog, Catcher in the Rye. Rye is spelled W-R-Y. Good pun. John, uh, bye. <laughs> what do we do? Uh, uh, over and out. Over and out, Riverdale? Uh, uh, sure, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs>